Welcome listeners, you're tuned in to the Jungle Brothers podcast. This is episode 17. Today we're talking about quality over quantity. We're here with Joe Worthington. Howdy. To your award. Hi there. And myself, the charming Paul Fertifilli. Mm. Yeah, this is a pretty um, this is pretty central to the JB philosophy, right? This this idea of more quality, perhaps less quantity. Um it's kind of a broad topic, but I think it's super relevant for our people and also for, I think, just for fitness enthusiasts in general, would you say? Yeah, I think anyone that's, that's uh, training for, for any reason, whether it's weight loss or a discipline of any kind, sport. Yeah. It's, um, yeah it, it, for me, it's kind of a big one because, you know, you look at, you look at what a lot of people do when they, when they want to get fit and they go to a gym, you know, whatever sort of place, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a gym where they're doing classes or they're training with a personal trainer somewhere. And the story that you hear is, and that you see on social media and all that thing is that they're just kind of, for the most part, smashing themselves with a shitload of everything, sweating a whole bunch, doing a bunch of work day in, day out, high intensity types, or, or, or rather low intensity, but a lot of cardio based stuff, a lot of repetitions, that sort of thing and they kind of get a little bit out of it in the beginning but in the long run they fucking don't really go anywhere with it I, I think for a lot of people they end up perhaps you know physically maybe they drop a little bit of weight but things don't really change and it becomes this kind of yo-yo thing it's that new year's kind of resolutions type deal where you know first few months of the year go well and then it sort of drops off um which is you know something we've had to battle against because we don't really follow that model right no, no, we don't. When we talk about quality, what are we talking about? Um, what's the measurement or like what? Because usually I, I immediately think quality movement because we speak about it all the time. But for people listening, quality training, quality results, quality movement. Yeah, I think quality movement is probably the, the centerpiece there. Um, but then it also goes to quality coaching, quality programming, um, you know, quality, like recovery, lifestyle elements, all those things. But I do think the, 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 the main pillar of that is, 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 is always striving for, for a higher, for more quality in your movement. If you have that as your, as your guiding sort of star, then everything else should go in the right direction. What are the features of quality movement? Because you could say quality is subjective, so what are we talking about when we break it down into bits and pieces? I guess it's range, yeah, coordination. Yeah, well, I think we'll probably maybe have slightly different opinion or maybe different definitions here. But for me, I think it's, um, it's a lot about moving with intention. And I hate to use a real buzzword. And I did do a yoga retreat recently and the word intention came up a lot. <laughs> However... I think moving with intention as in you understand what it is like the, the, the best mechanical way that you're trying to do that movement. You understand like the points of performance or technically the, where you want to get to, the landmarks. And even if you don't have the adequate strength or the adequate range of motion right then at that time, you're, you're trying to meet those standards as much as possible. You're not allowing your body to fall back into shitty movement patterns 
that it might have because you know you got tight hip flexors or you got tight hamstrings or whatever. So you're you're every session, session in, session out. You're trying to just stay at that perimeter of of your your level of quality. You're pushing for as much as you can, which means that in the the mid to long term, you're always increasing how you move. It's a constant process of refinement, as opposed to not really paying too much attention to those to those points or to the you know not trying to stay on that perimeter which results in you just kind of resorting back to whatever bad mechanics you have and when i say bad mechanics i think everyone has you know like in in the modern environment most of us suffer from substandard mechanics because of how we live it's not anyone's fault it's just what it is so um how you living i mean i'm doing all right (laughs) (laughs) i'm getting by yeah i'm living (laughs) Um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I see it. I'm interested to see what T-Bone thinks. Uh, quality versus quantity. For me, I think it's a, a real mindset thing. So it's very easy to, when you're chasing quality, uh, quantity. If, you're, if quantity is your, is your goal, then to continue keeping that path linear, so just say I want to keep putting more weight on the bar or keep getting my times down in, in something, then a lot of the times you'll get to a point that if you haven't addressed the quality of your movement patterns, then you have to sacrifice the quality to gain more quantity. Um, And I've done this before myself um, on the barbell and um, I've chased the quantity um, and I haven't assessed the quality of the movement pattern and I ended up injuring myself. And I think there's a lot of people out there that could probably say the same with that kind of thing. And whether it's uh, your sprint training or um, you know trying to get your times down for your marathon or whatever it is and you're just bashing the pavement out and you haven't really looked at your running gait or had a had a proper proper breakdown of your swimming stroke and then gone back to the drawing board and worked on the the mobility issues or the strength issues whatever the stability issues that you got um, to increase the quality of that movement pattern then and you're just focusing on the quantity that's when it can start to bite you on the butt. So for me, uh, quality is something that is not measurable with a stopwatch or, or weight, and it has to be judged, you know? Um, and this is where, where it becomes, um, and what Paul was saying, like, a, like an individual's, like a, like a perspective kind of thing, like what, what is your what do you consider as quality movement and what don't you? But I do believe that almost every human on this planet has the ability to recognize quality movement over, like quality movement over bad quality movement. I think it's built into us genetically. You're always looking for the human that moves well, that moves effortlessly, that's, that's balanced because it's something that you're looking for when you want to, when you, want to, when you want to breed, spread your gene, you're looking for the, 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 the stronger, more, um, more capable human and um, we're obsessed with symmetry, you know? And whether that's on, a, on an aesthetic level or whether it's on a biomechanical level, it's something that we're all capable of doing. We, you do it when you watch the, even Olympians compete and you see three amazing Olympians, all of them moving... Um, better than any other Olympian like human you've ever seen uh, but you still know which of those three is going to be the champion or you have an idea 
you know, and you can't really tell because you don't know the moves or you don't know, let's say you're watching the gymnastics, but you just know that there's that one that's like spectacular and you're like, you can't pick exactly why, but you know that the movement patterns are mm. of the utmost of quality. So I think it's very easy um, to, to judge and I think a lot of people overlook it because they're too obsessed with staring at the, at the stopwatch or measuring the amount of weight they've got or whatever other measurement tools that they've used and they've stopped to rely on their, um, their instinct and their, their uh, what's the word? Um, their intuition, yep. you know, yep. on how they're moving. They're ignoring the pain. They're, um, they're not filming themselves and having a look at, look at how they move from a distance and that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I think, you know, it's probably like conceptually for a lot of people, it's, it's a little bit distant. Like, you know, when they come, when someone comes into a gym or they're doing their training or whatever, like you don't, you don't talk to someone about how they're going with their new fitness regime and they're like, oh, like I'm, well, maybe you talk to hear people about it here, but in general, you know, I end up in these conversations with friends of mine, friends of friends, whatever they want to talk about fitness and, and that sort of thing. Cause I own a gym, but, um, they never say like, oh man, I'm, yeah, it's been, I've been at this place for six months. Yeah, I'm moving really well now. Or I'm, you mm. know, like that, that's not at the forefront. It's always like, oh yeah, I've dropped like three kilos. It's very, like they very rarely even talk about strength, mm. you know, like it, it's even, that's a bit of an outlier. It's usually like this aesthetic result, um, which is just, you know, I guess that's, I guess they're the metrics that, that fitness has kind of given us, right? And we still are tied to this kind of bodybuilding thing. This, this 80s gym model where it's like, you know, can you burn through fat and can you fucking sweat a bunch and build muscle? And if so, then you're good, you know? Take me back to the 80s. Yeah, right. Well, fuck. I mean, the, <laughs> I like what you said about the, the kind of, the, that we have like a genetic awareness of, of how people move. I, yeah, I guess it, it makes perfect sense. It's why people love um, going to the circus. They love watching ballet. They mm. love watching dancers like all of those things. But we see that as such a separate, you know, we see that as such a separate thing from, from ourselves. We don't, like you don't see yourself in an Olympian. You see, no. you see a star and you're like, that's yeah. great for them. And you sit on the couch and eat some pretzels and drink beer. You know, whereas like what you're talking about, it, it's, it's almost like, oh, that's, that's mechanic or like, you know, like the flesh and bones that I'm looking at. It's mm. kind of the same as me. Like I could be somewhere, I could be that or I could be closer somewhere to that. Somewhere in between, yeah. Yeah, you know. We distance ourselves from it. It's you know? true. Plus our environment doesn't demand it, right? Like you, you know, it's it, the, the bodybuilding thing's interesting. Like we, we were talking about that before, Paul. But, you know, like the, the, you know, the extreme bodybuilders that are just packing on heaps of muscle and kind of basically destroying their body, they can't move, they can't really function in many ways. And Generally speaking. Yeah, generally speaking. And I'm talking the extreme level. Um, fuck it bites them in the ass right like i think ronnie coleman just had like his seventh back surgery and shit like you did know did he die did he die did he die someone died fuck he might have died i hope he didn't but you know like it's it's there's some really dire effects of of you know chasing that kind of level of specialization um but our environment doesn't doesn't enforce that we need to move that well anymore you know like depending on how you look at it you know i think we think that it does because we know that you can be pain free and you can enjoy mm. the body you live in and you can do whatever you want with it but for a lot of people it's like well why would i want quality i just want to look fucking jacked mm. what are the traits of quality <coughs> movement going back to what i was kind of picking at earlier 
I know you can identify it, but can we try and like break it down? Yeah. When you see something moving Minimal through effort, the gym. Maximal effect. And they're sleek. Oh, yeah. Sleek. They're moving efficiently. Yeah. So limit like uh, a <clears throat> low levels of, of muscle lag. So muscle lag is... Is your is your is the uh, it's it's your body fighting against itself, and you can see two people moving together, one with with very little muscle lag and one with a lot. They could be very similar body compositions, weigh the same, look the same, but then when you watch them move, one tires more than the other. One looks like the joints shearing a little bit more because the body doesn't have good balance. It uh, doesn't have, and plus the, the range of motion is limited, or the range of motion is restricted by its own its own its own vessel. Uh, so range of motion meaning the, uh, the 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 ability of the joint to express its range of motion, yeah. i.e., flexibility, mobility. Yeah, so it's like if you think about running with a with a rope pulling on you from behind. Uh, that that's what muscle lag is. So if you if you can if you if you're decreasing your muscle lag and then increasing your, your output, then this is quality movement. And if you're not doing it at, at the um, expense of uh, joint compensation, then for me, this is the, an expression of quality movement. And that could be in any context. I have a question on that. So with muscle lag, is that implying that the, that the efficiency that occurs when you're seeing that person move at a high quality, is it implying that it's purely a biomechanical thing. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Well, I mean, it's something that you can you can train. So, and a lot of time, I think it's it's very um, prevalent. Is that the word? Prevalent. Continue your sentence. <laughs> prevalent in today's <laughs> Pre- culture. Prevalent because, is the word. Because um, because of the fact that we don't express our our bodies to to their op- optimal range on a regular basis so yeah when we do um we're fighting against ourselves a little you know yeah plus our, our our goals tend to be a little bit different because the aesthetic thing is such a big thing and building lean muscle mass is important we tend to overlook the uh so we focus on the quantity and we overlook the quality of the of the muscle that we're building and its ability to to produce force and do what it's designed to do yeah I get you. I agree. I think that there's a second half to that, which would be like there's the biomechanical aspect, but then there's also like the the neurological component, which is being coordinated and having a body that can that can you know see what the what what needs to be done. Like, oh, okay, I'm taking instructions from my jujitsu coach, and then I can go and communicate that effectively between my brain and my limbs and make it happen. So you could take like two people who have the same mechanics but one person's just more coordinated, which is really what I'm talking about, right? Mm. And the one that's more coordinated will just do it more effortlessly because the, the connection's better, the signals fire faster and clearer. Um, you know, it all comes back to efficiency. I think that's the main thing. It, you know, it's like, uh, it's like when you watch Coach Allen playing around with his locomotion work or just moving and, you know, he's not breathing heavy, he's not sweating, um, he's not making any noise. It's highly efficient. And people look at that and go, oh, that looks like so much fun. And then they give it a go and they're like, fuck, this is hard. Like, you know, you start sweating, it gets super aerobic. You realize, man, this is actually super demanding. But it's because, you know, it's those those inefficiencies that make that kind of stuff hard, right? Mm, So there's there's some 
<clears throat> functions that you can have of your body that helps you to get better quality movement, but then there's practice and coordination. So it's like you need the range, you need uh, foundational strength, depending on what you're going to be doing. Um, once you've got all the physical attributes um, and you want that freedom to be able to express however you want at any time, then there's also, you're talking about the coordinated parts. I guess because I'm interested in that because for me, as soon as we start talking about quality and we're comparing forms, I'm thinking sports-specific application and like, I love martial arts and sports and I'm watching the World Cup. I watch Australia play the best game of soccer I've ever seen them play, which was last oh, fuck, night. How did they go? Uh, they drew 1-1 last night. With, Are we still uh, in? Demo- uh, no, uh, pretty much no. Oh, spirit. Yeah, because anyway, uh, I think Peru got done by France after that. So, no, but man, haven't watched a lot of football uh, of late, but spent a lot of time watching football. And man, soccer players move so beautifully over the ball. There was this Danish guy, Sisto, a black guy who was just sleek. You just lose people, just the way that they balance the fake the go, you know, slow down. And then with martial arts as well, there's quality there. You see quality and you see not so much quality. So there's patterning work as well to do, you know. And I was thinking when you were saying about the lag, etc., and you, you were comparing, like, you see one person like this and another person like that. And I immediately thought of Anderson Silva and Forrest mm. Griffin. Yeah. <laughs> immediately it was just effortless like... Movement. He's just effortless. And, you know, that's, that's skill and anticipation and all that too. Timing. But yeah. I, I just thought quality and Forrest Griffin's a great fighter and whatnot but it was just like that contrast of Anderson Silva was just on the next level of efficient upgraded software just upgraded you know and he's quality he's balanced he's moving etc yeah that's uh, that's right it's that it's that software and hardware kind of thing right that's okay that's the one I'm trying to and when when you've got them both it's like fucking perfect yes that's exactly what you want that's what I'm doing that's what I'm trying that's that's where you're at G I'm trying (laughs) I'm trying I'm doing all the hardware in here and (laughs) Doing my dance classes on Wednesday nights. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. It's hard. But that's, I mean, T. You've always spoken about um, uh, D's friends and D hmm. dancers Man. and how they can just, you know, they've got they've got such intelligent bodies and such good software that they can kind of do whatever they want physically, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah, you mean hardware in well. that analogy? They hey? got so, they got such good hardware. Hardware and the connection. They got yeah, a good body, and then they yeah, and they yeah. express it in mad software. Yeah, the connect Let's the connection going. between <laughs> the hardware and the software. Yeah. yeah, and the and the and the software to to be able to look and mimic, you know. Yep. So to see someone do something, and go, okay, I can I'm gonna I can do that, and then be able to replicate that those same those same shapes and patterns and execute that movement, you know. So I think there's a. Oh, well, it's a whole component, isn't it? It's it's the body as a whole. And intelligence comes in there just in general, you know, movement, intelligence. Yeah, awareness. Yeah, awareness. Because you can have all the hardware in the world, but if you don't have the the right type of thinking that can can talk to that hardware, you know, then this is, uh, it's it's not going to get you the quality that could potentially, you could get if you had all the pieces together, you know? Yeah. I think um, the 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 uh, focus on quali- on quantity. Um, I I think that the, the fitness industry in general has this really grey area between um, health and vitality and performance. You know, and I think this whole performance thing that sells so well, and it's like a you go into any any like ASN 
fucking supplement store and every single bottle has some kind of performance athlete on the front, whether it's a bodybuilder or a long distance runner or a fucking whatever boxer or martial artist or, but they're all at the peak of their game. And then it's like, okay, well, it's all about the quantity. It's like quantity. I want to be consuming more, more fucking more calories and more, more proteins and more creatines. And then I want to get out there and I want to push heavier weight and then I want to run bigger distance. And, and like you were saying before, the, the talk becomes about, okay, how fast was my time? Um, did you win that comp on the weekend? Um, did you, oh, yeah, I've just broken my one RM record for my deadlift. But nobody ever asks, like, how, how, what was the quality of that lift like? How are you feeling? How did yeah. you get injured in, in that role? Did you come out feeling like you had no muscle lag at all? Was it an effortless role? You know? Um, so how true. was, how's your, how did your ankles, your knees, and your hips pull up after you, you broke your, your record marathon run or whatever it was? These, these uh, questions end up getting, push to the sideline and the problem is with that you you have this this ticking kind of time bomb where whatever you're practicing has this fucking limit you know yeah and the limit is much lower for a body that that's constantly focusing on the quantity and not assessing the quality of their movement patterns because sooner or later well firstly the limit that the floor the um the ceiling is is lower because the, qu- the, the movement quality will dictate how much potential you, you, much your body you actually can. has. And then the, the damage that you do to yourself to push yourself down that qu- quantity road without assessing the, the imbalances or the, or the deficits your body's, that your body's starting to show and, the, and all the shearing and the shit that goes on um, starts to limit yeah. your, your time in that sport, whether you're spending lots of time injured or you just get to a point where you're like, I'm too bashed up, I've got to quit. You know? But people are always so going to be willing to, to, to chase that sport or yeah. that thing. It's just what a lot of people... It's all about the glory. Their glory, they love it, and that's part of it too. And I think that's fine, right, for, for an mm. athlete. If they, make, you know, if, they know, if they willingly make that choice to, um, you know, okay, I want to be, uh, I want to play NRL and I'm going to fucking do my best and I want to, you know, play State of Origin, all those things, like, great, like... You know, you would you would hope that that all of those people know, and probably not all of them do. But it's you're you're choosing to sacrifice some of your health in order to reach an extreme goal, yeah. and that's admirable. It's I think it's really fucked up when a, when general population individuals do it because yeah, they yeah, think yeah. that that's how you get fit or yeah. that's how you get yeah. strong, and then they start burning the candle at both ends, and then they maybe have some glory years in their twenties, and then they just they're fucking broken from there. I think up. that's one of the biggest takeaways from this whole chat like for, for listeners for sure yeah yeah you, you, that's right there's a price you pay for for going that hard um and it's and and most people aren't aware of it right like it's not um it, it's it's a bit sad but it's not you they're know like they're none the wiser yeah that's right they're just doing what they think they should do mm-hmm. no one ever really told mm-hmm. them yeah um i had a point i wanted to make about that i was listening to a podcast yesterday uh joe rogan had firas zahabi on if you guys know him, he's yeah, from he's TriStar Gym, George St. Pierre's coach. He's a brain, oh, okay, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's oh. super fucking intelligent, eh? And, awesome. and really, really, a really good, like a really cool trainer. Yeah. He fucking, on this podcast, they, they talk about some amazing stuff, but they're talking about, he was talking about um, when he was negotiating George's contract with the UFC. And at the time, Chuck Liddell was the light heavyweight champion. And Chuck Liddell was fighting three times a year. 
and they wanted George to fight three times a year. And Fear, I said, no, he's going to fight twice a year. And they said, but Chuck fights three times a year. Let, like, you know, like let, step, make George step up kind of thing. And he was like, yeah, well, let's have a look at how Chuck goes towards the end of his career. <laughs> and, he, and he said to George, he said, the plan is for you to be the champion for 10 years. And George was like, how are we going to do that? And he said, by fighting twice a year, we'll spend six months before every fight resetting the system. That's so smart. Layering in some new skills so that every time you're an evolved fighter rather than someone that's just coming in with the same skill set like Chuck, kicking ass for a little while until it doesn't work anymore because the, the new guys have figured out your game. Um, but I just thought that was a really interesting approach like that, that sort of taking that long-term perspective, you know, and like, okay, let's, let's do this in a, you know, whether or not you could say it was sustainable, I'm sure GSP is going to have some fucking injuries of his own mm. to deal with down the track. But still in terms of fighters who have, who have been, you know, in the like, the, you know, at the, the most intense level of elite sport, and being able to stay in the game for a long time, he's one of those guys. Yeah, and come out, come out okay at the other end. He's on that GST now. Mm. Is he? Oh, Big he loves time. the gymnastics, eh? Yeah. Yeah, they love it, the, yeah. I saw his training videos, his freaking, you know, handstands yep. on rings mm. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's yeah, true. Crazy. It's, uh, well, that was an interesting thing, actually, they were talking about his, his training, and he was saying that he never really, they never go, they never max out on anything. So they do a lot of plyometric work and a little bit of strength work and that kind of thing. But they, you know, if they're working at, a, at an intensity that George could do 10 reps of something, they'll just do five reps. And that, that idea is that it's, it's high quality all the time, but that it's repeatable day in and day out because they're not breaking down the body and he's not having to miss training days. I think you could probably, you could safely say that most professional athletes would train sub-maximally and the only time we get to see them is when they're on the on the field or competing at, at a maximal level. But that maximal level is only, you know, for GSP twice a year. For other athletes, it's, you know, for a season. Um, but then we look at the way they're moving and how hard they're pushing themselves when they're competing. And we try to apply that to our own training, which is on, you know, a day-to-day basis. And this is where things can go wrong. You know, yeah, and you see it in you see it in CrossFit a lot, and I think the problem, the problem there is that again there's this grey zone or grey area between strength and conditioning, and and a sport, playing a sport, and it's even greyer there because the sport is strength and conditioning, you know, <laughs> which is you know strange in itself you know totally respectable but it just sounds so stupid so that strange. the sport is strength and conditioning yeah. but i totally i'm down with crossfit don't get me wrong yeah yeah it's, it's true right like the um fuck i remember yeah like you would you, you know probably only five years ago when you'd be able to see like a video of what like dimitri Klokov is doing for his weightlifting session and you'd be like oh well, fuck i'm just gonna do that and it's like no hang on a second like this guy's like been a, an elite level weightlifter mm. for like his whole life He's a heavyweight. He's got a periodized training structure that's been, you know, handed down by... His, it's like, you, you can't copy that. No. You can fuck yourself up. But I tried to do it. You know what I mean? Like, and that was... I think that was happening a lot within CrossFit, right? It was like, well, what are these guys doing? What's Rich Froning doing? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's do that. You know, let's do that workout and hit it real hard. Mm. That's, that's an interesting one that I, I, I feel like that comes back to, to, to our people here and to like general population and their fitness is this idea of um, trying to win every workout and trying to smash every session mm. and having that real short-term view of like, 
I gotta go fucking hard every day. Otherwise, I'm not gonna get anywhere with this. I feel like that attitude is really damaging for an individual. It's damaging. And it's not just, it, it's part of the culture now. I mean, you look at eight week, 12 week and 15 or 13 week challenges or transformations, it's all about the numbers. It's like how much body fat I've lost over that period of time, uh, how much muscle I've increased over that period of time, short, sharp bursts of, of growth um, at what cost, you know? How sore is your shoulder now? Or how, how, how is that, that niggling injury in your, in your ankle starting to play up again? Have you exhausted yourself so much that when you pop out the other end, you're just going to fucking binge eat and get back to where you were? The other thing that, that happens with this style is that if that's the only thing you're learning, then once it's all over, once these stints, these short stints are over where you're just chasing numbers, what, what have you got after that? Like, where do you go from there? You only know one other way and that was the way before you started and that obviously wasn't what worked, you know? That's right. It's, it's hard for those people going really hard because that's really stemmed from uh, the, their, their, their lives. That they're super busy with work, etc. And it's the going really hard because they only get two hours in the week. Yeah, to train. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're putting on a little Band-Aid and hoping that the one hour or, or to three hours is going to do it. It's going to offset the, the shittiness Off, of the lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, the work and the food and the stress or whatever. And they go really hard thinking it's going to make up for it. But really, that's the Band-Aid. But the, the long-term fix is, is much harder actually because for many people, I guess, uh, it's lifestyle changes and, and, and awakenings to, you know, how they move more, you know, in the 95% of the week rather than just the 5% yeah. in the gym. So it, we, we have a number of, of, of individuals in our gym that are chasing numbers. Um, we chase numbers ourselves. What, uh, what do we do here to combat um, people getting too obsessed with, with the quantity and keep to reinforcing the quality of our training? Well, yeah, so we, I think one thing is in, in, in how we coach, that we have very high standards of how we want things executed. So, you know, we will, you know, whatever it is that we're training on that day, say it's some kind of bodyweight pulling work, um, we'll be really militant about how people are doing it. So making sure that they're hitting the cues that we're dishing out. And if they're not, then we regress the movement in some way. We regress either the load of it or we regress the variation so that they can meet the standards and then they work with that for as long as they need to until they've got it and then they can step up to the next piece. I think that's, that's a big one. Yeah. I, what um, else? I think um, having uh, a lot of complex movement patterns slows people down a lot too which I think is a good thing, like getting people to move slowly. This is something that you just don't practice in your standard anywhere, really. Everything's about moving quick, you know. Get a sweat on. Moving quick or moving heavy. But um, having those, those, uh, those other, like, out, like the games we play, the, um, the, the, the balancing work that we work on that forces people to slow down and really analyse the way their body's feeling and positions and... Having that body awareness, for, it, it, it forces you in a, into a place where you have to focus on movement quality because if you don't, you can't execute what's been given to you. Yeah. You know? it's, it's true. Uh, the games are a huge part of that, aren't they? And I think like 
the games which will play most warm-ups but and then also the other drills that we'll do in a warm-up they're so geared towards this like upgrading of the software as well as getting the hardware prepped for the work ahead but it's like it's so mental and i think for a lot of newer people in our gym they kind of you know they find it fun and whatever and it's like that's cool but and even probably for the more experienced people, they don't actually, they don't come to understand how beneficial it is until they've done it for a couple of months. And then it's like, and even then they probably won't get it because it's been like a slow layering of progress for them. Whereas you see them compared to what they were when they first walked in, you're like, fuck, look how good so-and-so is moving. Mm. Like, look at that control. Or he's not even sweating when he does that now. Like, it's, it looks so easy for him or, you know, for her. Mm. That's that. And that, I think that's the real special benefit of that kind of practice. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, the, I mean, uh, what's been interesting is I've, I've been watching what's been happening with our lift classes since Yazzie came on. And I used to do the programming for lift and it was very basic. We didn't do a lot of the complex lifts because um, I didn't feel confident coaching the, the more complex, uh, um, the bar complexes and then the, um, the, some of the stuff that she's doing well most of the stuff that she's doing now but when she brought in this extra layer of like complexity with the bar, barbell work she um, she's actually slowed everyone down from lifting heavier weight and it's been interesting because people have been coming back and saying oh I'm not lifting as heavy anymore you know I want to lift I want to I want to lift a bit more heavier weight but at the end, every time they say at the end, they're like, but, you know, I know I, I need better. this. I need this. Yeah, I need – I know it's good for me, you know. So true. So that quantity thing, it's like that satisfies like that in a beast, you know. But the quality thing is where, where all the gains are at. Yeah, you know? so, so true. It's quality uh, – you could also say instead of verses, you could say quality before quantity. That's right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, that's right. It's not like it's not like quantity in, in, in some cases is a, is a desirable thing, you know? Lots of training, sure, it's good. Lots of weight, it's good. Yeah. But prioritizing the quality, it's a good way to put it. Mm. It should be, should be the first thing. And it, I mean, that, you know, that comes back to that, that sort of um, attitude of individuals where they want to win each workout. And it's like, look, man, it's not, it's not about the workout today. It's, you know, it's not about this one session. It's not even about this week. You know, it's, it's about like this three month block or this six months or, you know, that's, that's where the real lifelong changes are made. So yeah, if you didn't do as well in the workout today as you would have hoped, it doesn't really matter. Mm. What's important is that you got in here and you, you, you worked as, as well as you could and you just got to keep doing it, you know? Yeah. How, how, how is your training today going to affect you in 10 years time? Yeah. How's your body going to be moving in 10 years' time? If you're focusing on the quality, then it's going to be moving better than it is now. It's going to, you'll be moving like a panther, but if you're just focusing on the quantity, you probably won't be doing what you're doing now. You probably would have quit because it hurts too much. Too much pain. Yeah. Yeah, so true, right? You see it all the time. You know? And the ego is a fucking really big player in that. And you know, as soon as somebody turns around and says, look what you're doing is going is leading you toward a, in, into towards a dead end and you've been doing that for a long period of time and we've had a few people come in only recently where we've had this conversation people that have an extensive training history and they've competed at a at a level and it's like 
you have to return back to the drawing board. Forget about everything you've been doing and rebuild yourself because right now you're heading down a, a, like a, a dead-end path. And some people can't handle that. They don't want to hear it. They're yeah, just totally. like, fuck, the head's in the sand. Deep down, they probably know it's right. But to tell somebody to stop doing what gives them that endorphin rush, that fucking hammer and nail approach, uh, it can be really daunting to, to confront that, you know. But it's definitely something worth doing because if you don't, sooner or later, it's going to catch up with you, you know. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's, yeah. You only need to look at a lot of your peers, right? And like, okay, who, who's expressing physicality that I actually, you know, who's, a, who's older than me? Like, take someone that's 10 or 20 years older than me. And who's doing, who's moving in a way that I, mm. that I want to be moving? And really, there's not many people, right? Um, you look around, you're like, fuck, that guy's got bad knees. That, guy, that woman's got a bad back, carrying too much weight there. Like, yeah, whatever. There's, there's a bunch of things. So it's, it's kind of clear that the path that most people are following with that is not really working for them, mm. you know? Um, but yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because for us, like when you get people coming into the gym, you want to, you, you know, you want to like, you want to make it easy for them to step into this realm and to train here and all those things. But I think we also have a responsibility to be really honest with them. And if that means that it has to be a little bit harsh sometimes, then so be it, right? Like you'd rather tell them the truth and have them leave rather than make some kind of false promise yeah i know we've had that in the past you know whereby you know where we've you know because we play a lot with our programming like <clears throat> we try different things and it's not been uncommon for us to get people saying like oh that workout wasn't very hard today or i didn't really feel like that session that i did mm. once wasn't wasn't you know wasn't quite enough for me um which is like an indication that okay that person wants they want to they want that one session they want to fucking go real hard and they sweat want sweat angel yeah they don't want to learn that you know it's not it's not a long term perspective that they're taking it's a it's a today perspective mm. that's I think that's always been a real battle for us for us which we're getting which we're getting much better with now because we're we're so confident in what we do we've tested it for so long mm. we know that it works yeah and I think the culture here is is well when somebody comes in they can see it. So you come into a culture that's already educated in, the, in, the, in that manner. I mean, it's really interesting. Uh, yet last week, we had our lift, uh, 9.30 lift had 11 women in it. I think eight of them were, were mums over the age of 40, um, all getting under the barbell, lifting decent weight. That Tuesday night, it was stretch. And I think there were probably out of the 20 or four, 18, I think there was like 14 males all under the age of 25, all carrying a lot of muscle. And it was just a, a perfect reflection of how the individuals in our gym ha have looked at the areas that they feel that benefit most from the time they put into their training, you know? Uh, there's, a lot of these guys are like stiff. They're, they're already strong, but they're stiff and they know for them, for them to be able to get stronger, their movement mechanics need to improve, less muscle lag, more mobility, it's beneficial for them. And these women that are getting under the barbell, they're like, okay, I need to get stronger. I got the range, I'm mobile, but I need to, I need to get under that barbell. And, lift and, that, and that's how you said, that's how they're coming here. Mm. Someone inquires and, and they get that perspective delivered to them from the beginning. Yeah. So they, they have that under their belt. They come into the gym, they see the programs and they realize like why the spread is the way that it is. 
Um, uh, you asked about like how do we keep the how do we keep the quality here in the gym, um, and yeah, I thought that it might be a good time to talk about the movement goal board and like the new process that's going to come in because we're talking about it's hard to measure, etc. And we've we kind of have gone you know a few different ways with the testing week here, etc. And something that we've been chatting about a lot in the in the last month was was how can we can make the the testing our twelve week testing here in the gym better. Um, and now we're moving to something that it's hard to measure, but it's more uh, ambiguous and it's kind of centered around one goal and this idea that we're going to try and um, we're going to mentor people and help them design what their goal might be, help them realize that, and then guide them along along that journey. T, can you explain how you see the, the movement goal changing the culture here? Well, the, the, the movement goal board was something that Joe bought in a couple of years ago. And uh, we've put it up in the new gym. Uh, but then we kind of just got a bit of dust on it. We haven't put a, big, uh, a lot of emphasis in it since we've, we've arrived. Um, and the idea was, okay, just set yourself a goal, a handstand or a chin up or toe touch or whatever it is that that you've seen in the gym that you think um resonates with you and you feel like that's gonna that's gonna um give you motivation to get in here and and work um and then put it up on the board and be accountable for that goal you know so everyone sees it and then we can all you know how you going with your your one arm chin up or whatever it is that you got up there and um now we're, we went, we, we, we moved away from that and we went to a measuring system where we had a number of different tests that we were using, which were all really legit. Um, but m- we felt like the, they, they didn't uh, connect to the individual as, as well as, like, say, something that they're chasing, you know? So the approach that we want to take now is to use that, whatever it is that they're chasing as their measurement tool um, and to help them find the progressions that they need to or that hit those landmarks that they need to hit to reach that, um, that, uh, that uh, the goal, the movement goal that they've set them for themselves. So what to, let's say um, I would like my, I'd like to get a 10 second handstand, Joe. And I came to you and I'm like, I have never done any handstands before and I'm, my right shoulders a little bit sore and niggly and I've got a a limited range and I'm carrying a bit of body fat. Um, I'm in my, you know, turning 40 and and I set that for my goal. So I would go to Joe and I'd ask him, hey, look, I want to get my 10-second handstand. So how would I go about doing that? I'm going to put that up on the board. Yeah, so it would be be like, cool, let's get you the handstand. Um, And then you know, I guess discuss like, okay, that's, let's make that the bit of the longer term goal, but let's look at what the, break that down into smaller chunks so that it's a bit easier for you to digest and, and start to tick off in a systematic manner. So, you know, the very first thing would be like addressing probably the mobility, right? So like, let's get your wrists a bit mobile. Let's give you a little bit of a routine around, you know, getting more range there, more strength. Let's get the shoulders a bit more mobile. So you got an injury, okay, let's start with some really basic like maybe some assisted hanging work just to start to, to build a bit of range and in a real kind of sort of gentle way. Um, and that would be the first goal. So we might then say, all right, well, 
look, T, for the next uh, for the next six weeks, all I want you to do is like a few sets of these wrist drills every couple of days, and I want you to hang for you know two minutes every other day, and that would be like your first goal, and you would tick that off and be like, yeah, done two it. Two minute passive hang. Yeah, mm. you know, like cool. All right, that's achieved. Yeah, two minute passive hang is what you'd write on the board, and maybe like pain free ten palm raises or like wrist push ups with. Uh, you know, with your, with your knees on the floor. And then going on from there, we could be like, all right, cool, let's eventually get you onto some kind of chest-to-wall progression and build up to a minute and, and just make it like real systematic um, rather than, yeah, rather than just going, okay, cool, well, fuck, let's just chuck you up and see if you can hold a handstand, you know, because... Just that, keep trying to do it. Trying. Yeah, that's right, you know, like stabbing in the dark is never going to happen. And, you know, maybe it does when you're a kid, but when you're an adult, you're 40, you're carrying a bit extra weight fuck, it's, it's just going to injure you and then you're just not going to be in the gym and then the whole process was ruined. So we've got to be responsible about it. But, so but you go for that hardware, build that, that, that base that, can, that yeah. can perform quality. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You know? But also it's also, managing, it's also managing the expectations of that individual and being like, yeah, we can totally do that. We, just, we should do these things first because there is a process behind this. And I think once people are like, oh, cool, like this is a process for me specifically that's going to allow me to achieve something that I want to do but realistically probably you know like overweight 40 year old guy never really done much training he might want to do a 10 second handstand but probably if he really asks himself he doesn't think it's going to happen it's just when you say well you know what's your goal it's like well that would be cool we know that we can do that with someone right so it's about making those parts achievable Um, so the idea is that everyone every member of this gym We'll have a chat and we'll have something up there for them. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's cool because it, it, I like it because it does allow them to direct what <coughs> it is they want from their training and what it is that they value. And obviously we kind of lay down through our culture, we lay down what, what we think are important in those realms. So flexibility-wise, strength-wise, movement skills, like a lot of what people will want will be what we're sort of feeding mm. anyway. So it all kind of fits into a bit of a structure. I think we're talking about establishing some um, some kind of standards, right, of mm. what we think, you know, people should be able to achieve. What kind of movements they are, how many repetitions, that kind of thing. Flexibility standards. So I think that would be that'll be really cool to help people kind of look at a bit of a chart of it and go, oh, okay, well, oh, fuck, I don't have those five things and I'd, I'd really like to do that. So mm. that'll give them a bit of guidance. And just getting people to have that foresight to thinking, okay, what comes after I lose the five kilos of body fat, you know, and next summer and the wedding and the rest of it, you yeah. know, and those standard goals that people have when they first enter a gym and it's like, I want to, I want to lose weight and tone up. Then what, you know, then what is comes it over? after that? That's yeah. it. You go back and <laughs> put, put the weight back now? on and lose yeah. the tone. And that's generally what happens because you've set that goal, you've, you've hit it and then there's, you're just flying blind, you know. There's no context, but if you have that foresight, if we can get people into the into this like mindset where they're like, okay, I'm going to set a goal that's that's out of reach, and then I've got this midterm and short-term goals that I know are taking steps towards this long-term goal, and there's steps in between there, then we know that uh, over time they're starting to change the way they think about how they move, and, and rather ha- than having this approach, this quantity approach to every session where it's got to belt it out. They're thinking, oh, I gotta fucking last, you know. I gotta last. I gotta do the time to reach those those more advanced, more 
uh, intense movement patterns, you know, that, that have a greater demand on my body and the changes that take place over that time, uh, over that, uh, between where I am now and where that goal is are, are going to take time, you know. And that's where the, the, the consistency comes in and working sub-maximally with quality starts to become part of the culture, you know. Yeah, yeah, it really pays off then, right? And you know that then you've, you've, you've changed that person from someone who has that short-term view to, to a longer-term view. I think that's like the greatest thing that they can take from, from the training process is that they're okay with that and they're like, cool, you know? And that's the shit that carries over to, to everything else you do in life, right? Yeah. Like with our business and, you know, with families and all that stuff, it's like, you, got, you know, it's, it's not every day is going to be perfect, just like every, not every workout is going to be perfect, but if you have a bit of a plan and you, and you stick to that purpose or that intention behind it, then the outcome will yeah, hopefully be good. Yeah. Uh, talking about the the the, the uh, approach <coughs> to like just trying to kick up into a handstand uh, kind of thing, like to say you've, you've set your goal, like you were saying, Paul. Mm. Sooner or later, you're going to come up against something that where where your where your quality of movement patterns is poor, you know, and you have to overcome that that barrier, you know. So how do we how do we deal with that? Let's say I'm that same guy and the first progression that you get me on, uh, the, the movement pattern kind of sucks. And That's I have not to get myself from, from bad quality to good quality. This is something that, again, we're dealing with a lot with the people in the gym. Um, what's, a, what's acceptable? As, you know, what's, a, what's a baseline kind of quality bad quality movement patterns like how do you get your foot in the door when you're dealing with something like a cartwheel like what when do you say this is too advanced for you you know yeah. and you have to scale it back yeah i like that it's tough it's um i do believe <clears throat> it is a case by case thing and i i believe that comes down to the person's like prior experience what their what their attitude is like um you know, their, their age and whatnot. You know, so using you as the example, the 40-year-old, um, you know, if you don't have an extensive training history, then, you know, let, let's, say you were, let's say you were a 20-year-old. Then if you came in and I showed you a cartwheel variation and you weren't very good at it, I don't really care if you're not too good at it today because, like, you're fucking 20 years old. You'll come in next time and do it and you'll be like 50% better and then you'll come in next week and do it and you'll be probably better than me at it. Like you'll adapt <laughs> so quickly because the body's malleable and it's, it's, it's ready to learn, so no problem. But if you're 40, different story, right? So the body's not going to respond in the same way but also the mind is not going to respond in the same way. So if I, if I get you to do something that maybe even if I know that you're going to have a few hard sessions but it will get better... I might have already lost you mentally by that point because you're like, well, I keep turning up to this class and I can't do the fucking thing, so I'm out of here. So, you know, so I'm going to be a lot more sensitive to, to the 40-year-old um, and I'm going to find a variation that they can do reasonably competently but, but more so that they feel, co that they feel okay with, mm. you know, because I'm aware you're doing it in a class full of people. We've got 16-year-olds in here. We, we've got every age group. We've got 60-year-olds. And potentially all those people might be moving better than you. Mm. So it's like, cool. You don't realize that they've been here for two and a half years already. But it's like, cool, all right, well, let's, let's give you a variation where you can understand the concepts of the movement I'm trying to teach you. So 
the hand and the foot placements will mimic what's happening in a cartwheel. But we take perhaps the the dynamic jumping part out of it so that it's much more yeah it's much more stable. It's much slower. It's easier for you to process. Um, you know, have you work with that variation for a couple of weeks? Talk to you about it. How you feeling? Do you want to give? A, you know, you want to push it a little bit more tonight? It's been a couple of weeks now, and, and when I feel that you're at that point where you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, let's let's give it a go, then it's like, cool. I know that the software has gotten to a point, and the hardware's gotten to a point where we can then move to the next level. You yeah. know, but I do, yeah, I think it's it's a it's a one to one thing, and it's a really, you know, there's there's everyone re- responds a little bit differently to that kind of stimulus. Mm. Yeah, it's a real, and it's a standard thing, isn't it? Yeah. So like keeping like you call it sandbagging a little bit so you're holding someone back just a little bit longer than than they might want to hold themselves back just to make sure that they get the most out of the progression that they're on yeah and you can apply the same thing to to your lifting patterns like you want to put weight on the bar and it's very easy for you to continue to put weight on the bar and for the for the, the quality of the movement to regress every time you do that if you don't give yourself enough time for the body to to make the changes necessary to keep the quality of the movement as you continue to load the bar the same thing approaches when you're looking at movement intensity and movement movement complexity as well it's the same approach you have to spend time on the same progressions for a fair bit of time before you start to have uh the the right amount of change for with your connective tissues and your tendons and ligaments and even your bone structure you know to deal with the with the with the pressures of the next progression or the heavier weight or the faster time, whatever it is that you move into, you know. So I think that's important as well just to keep keep people where they are a little bit and totally. don't let them try and jump ahead because it's very easy to get into that, oh, I just want to do what that guy's doing. Yeah, I'm ready, you know? I'm ready. I can, I can jump on the rings now. Yeah. Get off the box dips. Yeah. I, want, I want to get on the rings and you see that all the time, you yeah. know, even in our gym. Totally. People feel like they're ready in the knot because they haven't spent the time, even though they've got the box dip, but they haven't spent the time there getting the volume up and just getting it to a point where it's pretty effortless and it's easy and it's probably getting a bit boring. And that's the time when you want to think about moving, um, moving up a level, you know. Allow yourself to get the most out of the foundation work, the, the, the basic stuff, and get the quality to, to a, a high level. And then when you step it up, whether it's with weight or whatever it is, get the quality back and then step it up. And this is how you can start merging the quality and the quantity together, you know? Yeah, so true. So true. Just do your time. And that's, that goes back to uh, that, the ego battle too, right? Where it's like, no, no, I know you, you want to rush ahead now. You want to win this workout, you, you know, but it's like, don't. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's good. That, that's a good message this week in the gym with a couple of the new programs kicking off bunch of new material um you know there's there's a ladder of variations for x and for y and it's uh it's yeah guys we've got six weeks we're going to be doing it and this is the first of your you know your tries at it don't overreach now just start at the bottom of the ladder and get that good before going up yeah exactly exactly it's um yeah, it's funny that like talking about handstands, which is one of the things we're working on in yeah. gymnastics. But people are like, oh, I can't even do a handstand. It's like, well, you can do the first variation. So that's a handstand. Mm. You're just doing it against the wall. But there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like, why should you be able to do a handstand? You're fucking 35 and you've never done one before. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, we have this kind of expectation of, 
well, I should be able to do it all. It's like, well, no, we, that's why we teach the stuff we do here because you can't do it all. So mm. we've got heaps of stuff that we can teach you and it can be a long and prosperous relationship for you, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that that goes back to the, the culture in the standard gym. Is mo- most places that provide group fitness have a wide variety of movement patterns, but every single movement pattern is accessible. Yeah. You can and, do it on day one. Yeah, and this is an easy model to 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 uh, cookie cookie cut. So you can you can pump out a bunch of these gyms wherever you like, and you can chuck any old trainer in in, in to teach that particular style of training because the movement patterns uh, you can learn them in ten minutes, and and anyone can do them. And there's nothing wrong with that, and it gets you your foot in the door, and it'll lose the body weight and tone up the muscle, but that's where it ends and that will probably end within it'll it'll last you before you start to plateau probably about 12 16 weeks to be honest yeah you know then you've gotten everything you're going to get out of it then you got what what whatever you can get out of it and then usually it's either going to be boredom that pushes you out or an injury because the the mechanics haven't had a chance you just haven't you haven't assessed or dealt with the 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 um the quality of those patterns, you know. It was like when I went and tried that new gym that opened up in Surrey Hills a few years ago before we had our own gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit of a franchise. They do forty-five minute workouts. I won't mention any names. But um, I mm. went in and it was uh, mm-hmm. it was it was super busy, and I just wanted to try it because there was a lot of <laughs> hype around it. So I'll go do a class, and uh, I booked in for a free class, whatever. And the the workout, like we got in there and there was like like a 30-second warm-up. It was like, well, jump on your back and like roll around a little bit, loosen up your back. And they're like, cool, here's station one to eight. We're doing it for like 45 seconds each or whatever. Like, let's go. And the stations were all really basic. It was like jumping on the spot, like split legs, like jumping back, jumping forward. One was pushing a sled. One was fucking riding a bike, rope slams, whatever. Um, and the, the the guy who was coaching it was like super interested in me because I was like the fittest guy there. And he was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I just wanted to come and try it out. And he's like, oh, what kind of training do you do? So he was running this class, but more interested in having a conversation with me at the time. I was happy to talk. Um, but I was like, <laughs> the I, I questioned him on the exercises and he said, yeah, well, we just choose exercises that are really easy so that anyone who comes in can do it. And, uh, you know, and I was, you know, because so no one feels intimidated. And I was like, well, I see some some kind of rationale behind that. You know, that's cool. Um, yeah, what was funny is that, you know, I did the session, said goodbye. The next day I ran into the the girl who was working with him. I ran into her at the cafe and she, she spotted me and she was like, hey, you came into the gym last night. And I was like, yeah, I did. And she was like, so have you signed up? And I was like, no, I haven't. And she said, why not? And I was like, it's too easy for me. <laughs> and she was so fucking offended. She looked at me like her face dropped and she was kind of like, oh, you think it's too easy for you? Like she, she got her back up about it. And I was like, well, what the fuck do you expect, man? Like you, you chose a program that anyone can do on day one. It's like, I'm not your market. Like you, you're going for somebody else. So don't be offended when I say it's not for me, you know, uh, which was just funny, right? Like that, that, you know, that they could be so attached that she at that moment could be attached so much to what they were doing, knowing that it's this, there's, there's no lifespan in that, no. you know? So even for the people that it's good for today, like you said, 12 to 16 weeks down the track, 
they're not going to be getting much out of it. No. They're going to have to move on as well. Yeah. And her interpretation of easy is probably very different to, to what you actually meant by that. You know, like the fact that you're talking about the, the patterns themselves and how accessible they all were and how none of them had any path to travel down. There's no depth there. Whereas her, her interpretation was probably like, well, you could just move faster. You do know? more. You could do more <laughs> reps. <laughs> yeah. You know, so how is that possible that it's too easy if you could just do, if you just move faster? Yeah. You know, you can move as fast <laughs> as you possibly can every fucking set with speed, chuck some more weight on that bar and just move faster. Let's like, fill the rest periods yeah, with burpees. You should be fucking <laughs> that guy's so puke. smug. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, quality training. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yuck. yeah that was cool Sorry, we um, wrap it up there yeah let's wrap it up that was good good chat any Sweet. last any final words there <clears throat> um, I would say if you are in a position where you haven't um, had the opportunity to look at the way you move uh, to try and source out some feedback and feedback can be given to you through uh, filming yourself on a phone, uh, it could be uh, tactile feedback, it could be getting a mate, just someone who has an idea to tell you how you look <laughs> when you train. Good if they had an idea. A uh, mirror, you know, but I, in, in reality you want to go to a quality coach and just say, can you please look at the way I run or look at the way I'm executing my, my boxing skills or uh, the way I bench press or whatever it is that you like doing get a professional to analyze your movement patterns and give you feedback because it will, it will expand and uh, extend your training life immeasurably. So true. Yeah, get a fucking, get a good quality coach. Or come to Jungle Brothers. That's right, where you got like we'll 10 really high quality coaches. Yeah. Just leave your ego at the door. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be brutally honest. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, and, and like the big takeaway for me is to... Uh, just take a long-term perspective or take a mid-term perspective, but don't try and win each session. Yeah. Pull it back on the gas a little bit, go with the 80% effort and just fucking reap the benefits. Change your life. Don't break yourself. Mm. Break yourself. Phil. Uh, roll credits. Roll credits. Uh, you guys know where we're at. 15 Underwood Avenue, Botany, Sydney. Uh, that's where the gym's at. Uh, the gym with a brand new big sign out the front. Yeah, big fuck fucking sign. awesome sign from <laughs> uh, from our boy Will Lines, Lines and Co. You should check him out on Instagram. The guy does amazing fucking crafts work. Joe Mappy, Johan. Joe Mappy, our designer. Shout out, Joe nice. Mappy. He uh, heard from him yesterday actually um, on oh, the good. on the gram. But uh, but yeah, we're here. We're at uh, junglebrothers.com. If you want any more information, you can see our blog and all our podcast episodes there. Uh, you can also reach out to us if you want to talk training, find out about our online program or working for personal training or groups, whatever it is. Um, yeah, hit us up. We're, we're open to all. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you found it interesting and you think it might help someone else and there might be some good advice there for a friend of yours and you had them in your minds um, for any particular point in the podcast, we urge you to share it with that friend. Share it on Facebook. Um, on whatever social media platforms there are out there, uh, that would uh, be great for us. Yeah, we'd appreciate that. Spread the love. Yo. Okay. Ep 16 in the can. Soup. Happy Friday. Friday.